Welcome to the C3 Church Coffs Harbour podcast. We're glad you're here. We pray that you'll be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. Wonderful. All these big burly men bring up these comfortable seats. Epic. So, so last, as I said, last month we're looking at hope speech and essentially evangelism and sharing the hope that is in us with those who are in our world. And so for the month of August, we've done this for probably the last five years, where every Sunday we will share um, and hear a story of one of us, part of this church, uh, of what God has done in and through uh, their lives. And, and I would encourage us for this month as well, in your connect groups, if you're in a connect group, to be, to be sharing stories each week or each fortnight, whenever you guys meet, uh, of the same sort of thing, sharing your testimony. I'd love for the whole month, everybody in our church to be sharing their story. And, and I think there is, I don't think I know there is power when we share our testimony, when we share what God has done in us, there is power in that. If you're in the interconnect group over there on our connect board next to our next steps table is a connect group that, uh, there'll be one for you. There's about 14 connect groups up there. So get amongst it. It's going to be awesome. But any more, no more about that. I would love to welcome an incredible champion, man of God. Would you please welcome Dave Allen as he comes this morning. G'day, Dave. Come on up. Welcome, sir. You good? Good, mate. Grab a seat. It's off? No, no, we'll we'll get that back on. You just do a little, little flick of the old switch. There you go. Yeah. Hello. Hey. Hey. Welcome. How are you? I'll ask that question, thank you. Um, <laughs> how are you? Uh, I was grateful I sat here. Really? Yeah, I've got sudden urge of wee now, but... Uh, yeah. Quick cut that out of the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's a yeah. bit, bit nerve-wracking, the lights and everything. And yeah. I'm normally not one of those sort of people. But yeah, Awesome. Hey, yeah. speaking of podcasts, I'm not sure if you knew this, um, thanks to the genius work of Brendan Lewis, we are now live on Spotify. Um, so if you have a Spotify account, um, just, I know, I'm, I'm excited too. Um, just search <laughs> C3 Church Coffs Harbour and all of our podcasts uh, will be up on Spotify as well as the website. So uh, you, technically you're almost famous. You're welcome. I'd rather not be. But yeah. uh, <laughs> we'll make this go viral. Um, yeah. Tell us a bit about yourself. Who are, who are you, Dave Allen? Who am I? Uh, well, I guess, you know, most people in this room don't know me from a bar of soap, so... Um, oh, that's not true. You've been here for a couple of years now, right? I've been in Coffs Harbour two and a half years, yep. uh, coming to this church for about 18 months uh, in total. Yep, cool. Um, let's see. Yeah, I'm a divorced dad. I have a 15-year-old son. Um, Who is a gun soccer player? Yeah, he, he does all right. Yeah, yes. He does okay. Uh, I guess uh, I came to hear from the Lord and give my life to Christ. Um, I was about 28. Okay. And it probably wasn't until I reached 40 that I started to actually have more of a supernatural walk right. with Christ, um, experiencing personally but also in others, uh, you know, signs of wonders and things like that and, and how powerful um, both the word and, and the might of God actually is. Awesome. Um, 
I actually come from a total, total non-Christian background. Like, how how non-Christian are we talking? Um, well, for quite a while, uh, my mother and I both feel that my grandmother should, be, should have been, you know, or would have been saved. She lived two or three hundred years ago. She would have been burnt at the stake. Really? For sure, without a, without a shadow she of a doubt. She sounds lovely. Yeah. Um. Um, yeah, she was very much, her favourite passion was her Ouija board. And um, is, it, is it true that, um, it is because he told me this last week, um, <laughs> that at eight years of age you'd be at a family dinner and your grandma would bring out a Ouija board where you, your mum and your grandma would use the Ouija board at the dining table? Yeah, at the dining table. It would be a form of entertainment back in those days wow. and you'd end up spending two hours talking to dead people. Can you just, just explain a little bit for those who might not know what a Ouija board is and maybe just talk, what is it and what are the dangers of that? Oh, well, it's, it is spiritual, but it's totally the wrong spirit. Um, you are basically summoning up or giving right and authority to the devil and Satan to have in, to, um, in your life, basically. Um, you ask questions and you're always asking questions of the dead and then uh, with hands on a, a, a particular item, um, an answer would be spelt out for you. And um, when you're very naive and not aware they're actually part of a spiritual battle in life, um, you, you do tend to take those things as being gospel. And um, I think in a way you actually technically make the things happen without even realising it. And so then you put truth into it. But I mean, I've got I've got an, an older sister, and um, she's still into um, tarot cards, numerology, um, polished rocks, and things like this. And my mum, who's still in her late she's in her late eighties, she can't go a day without reading a horoscope. So um, the whole concept and the whole reference point of of Christianity or or anything of that nature did not exist for me until I was twenty eight. Um, if, if you know the word Jesus or God was used as a profanity, and, and, and not as as a, our Creator, um, so I guess I'm the product of two parents who worked full time all their lives. Um, yeah, I was a very I lived probably what be called a very lonely and isolated sort of childhood, and. Um, I sort of ended up doing things because Dad said, you know, you're going to do this. Um, I didn't actually have a relationship with my dad. I'm not saying he was an awful dad. He was there. Um, but we didn't have a relationship. Um, it wasn't until I, I reached the age of 52 that my dad first told me that he loved me. So. Wow. Um, so that was, yeah. That's tough. huge. But we might touch that a little bit later because that, that's a huge um, redemptive story. That's, that's amazing. We might get to that in, in a moment. Yeah. But yeah. So, so growing up in, um, with the occult present, um, new age present, um, yet the irony was during that, what would you do as a paid job as a, as a, as a young boy? Well, from the age of 10, 11 and 12, I actually sang in a choir at church. Um, do, 
we have the photos of that? I did send you a photo, didn't I? Yeah. No, he did, but I, yeah. I, I, no, it was a, I wouldn't show it. Was it. Proper, it was a, in a place called Christchurch, South Yarra, in Melbourne, where, where I lived. And, um, yeah, so basically I was a, you know, I had the frilly thing around the neck and the white, the white apron. And so I wish I could show that photo. <laughs> Have you loaded it on the no, laptop? I haven't, I haven't. Good, thank you. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so, once again, it wasn't anything to do with religion or God. I, we, as schoolboys, were being paid. Um, mo- the congregation was made up of some very wealthy elderly ladies of the rich in the suburbs of Melbourne. So they physically paid to have a choir. And um, yeah, there's quite a few. Funny little stories, but yeah, so my life from the age of nine, t- no, 10, 11 and 12 was, um, you know, before school every Tuesday and Thursday morning, you'd have an hour um, practice, Saturday morning was two and a half hours of practice, and then Sunday you sang in church, sang the hymns, and um, Saturday afternoon I did the mowing round, so that was sort of life for me in that, that age bracket, and at the same time on a Friday night I um, was a, a Boy Scout and cubs and so forth. So my life was sort of taken up with sort of organised things that Dad got sort of got me into. And so, so being an altar boy, I, I guess, and this isn't really meant to be as a joke, but sincerely, for you, it was just like Christian karaoke. I'm sorry. It'd be like Christian karaoke. Yeah, well, so without singing, a doubt. singing songs of faith without any revelation. Well, of I, what I didn't know what faith was. Right. Uh, you know, I was I was there to read music and sing a song. Yeah. Um, I still, I still remember the, the pastor. He was over six foot tall, white hair, and you know, he used to wear the, the cape and the, the, the coloured ribbon around his neck and things like that. And he used to stand up um, at the top of the stairs overlooking the congregation. And it, it, it seemed to be every time of, of the morning he'd, he'd stand up with his arms outstretched and this ray of light would come through a stained glass window and sort of light him up. And... And my thing at that age was, oh, this guy's being Jesus. Like, for these people here, he, he, he's this thing that's called Jesus. And that's how I looked upon it. But, you know, in the meantime, us, us boys, you know, we were, we were busy sort of um, modifying springs and toy cannons and flicking matches across the, the thing to one another because the, the pastor was down there, but we had our... our stalls where we used to sing up here and the altar was further that way and i'll never forget this one particular thing we have been egged on by older boys and we we're flicking these matches across to one another and had a great old time but what they didn't tell us was this particular day was communion and have a guess where all these old ladies were walking they walked right past our our and these stalls are your, this is your employers and these are your your, boss. yeah and yeah. the floors littered with matches you know and i mean so the the Vic sort of absolutely tore shreds out of us afterwards. You know, we're sort of naughty little choir boys there for a while. And, but, yeah, so, like I said, we weren't, I wasn't there anything to do with, with Christ and things like that. So, so li- life goes on. Um, what happens at 28? Well, 28, um, I'd come out of, I've been married twice. Uh, first time I was a non-Christian and married a non-Christian and the second time I was a Christian and married to a Christian. But um, my first marriage had ended and I'd sort of fell into two years of really, really deep depression. Um, my answer to those was just doing stupid things and I drank 
um, drank a lot actually. And in those days, yeah, went to parties, you went to pubs and you went home with anything that moved or could still move at the end of the night. And, and that's what it was like for two years. And, um, and I distinctly remember at that point in time, my, my job was in horticulture. And at that, that point in time, I remember this one particular day, it was a beautiful, warm, blue sky day. I remember sitting on a plastic container in a garden bed. And uh, this was at a National Trust property in the inner suburbs of Melbourne. And I remember sitting on a, this plastic container in a garden bed, um, just on our own, because this is a place where I sort of, I was in charge, so this is a place where I was sent. If any staff was having a bit of a hard time, if they wanted to just be on their own, I used to say, look, can you just go to that, that area over there and just, just chill, you know. But it was, <laughs> it was my turn. And so I distinctly remember sitting on this, this container and I, I just, I looked up and I just looked around and, and I thought, what the heck is this? Meaning, what, what am I doing? What is the point of this? And I just, I looked around and, and nothing made sense. I, I couldn't work out. I wasn't talking to God or anything like that. I was just talking out aloud to myself. And I was saying, I, I don't get this. I don't get life. And um, I remember there's a boundary fence and there's a main road and then there's double-storey terrace houses. And I sat there and I just looked and I'm thinking, so what's the point? I'm here working to end up living in a box. People next door to me, everyone living their own lives, knowing nothing about them, they know nothing about me. And you end up driving this metal box, you know, because I was looking at the road and there's only one person going from point A to point B. And it made no sense. I said, there's got to be more to life than this. And at that point in time, I was looking at alcohol and stuff like that. Um, for a little bit of time in amongst that, I was doing a, a, night, a night course. And um, this one particular night, I finally pluck, plucked up the internal courage to, to ask a girl out, a lady out. And um, unbeknown to me, th- this, this lady was actually, you know, what we call it, what I call a Christian, you know, and I'm thinking, mm, okay. And, and I, when, I, when she finally accepted sort of, you know, my invitation to go out, I, was, I remember going out to her place. And, um, and I got invited inside. And I remember when I walked through the front door... It was like a walk through a veil. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't articulate what it was. But for me, it was like I walked through something. And I ended up talking to the, to the mum and dad. And, um, and there's something oozed out of him. You know, it's just... I couldn't fathom what it was, but it was love. And um, I was getting it from a strange man, but it felt good, you know. And it just left me bewildered. And anyway, after going out, I remember taking taking her home. And when I left, I was driving home, which is about an hour in suburban sort of 
know, streets back in Melbourne. And I just remember saying to myself, look, I, I don't know what they have. I don't know what it is, but I want it. I want it. But, um, but what happened is the next week that didn't pick me up. That sent me deeper into despair because my reaction was, I can't have it. It's not, I, I can't get it. I can't have it. And so I just fell into a deep despair because I thought it's not for me. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's not for me. And um, by the end of that week, I was in such a bad place. And I thought, well, there's no point. There's no point. So the following, the following Saturday, um, I went into work and I knew it was a great time to go because the work isn't open on weekends, like the workshop and things like that. And so I, I went into work and, um, and um, I got a stepladder out, climbed up the top and threw a rope over the... Uh, <laughs> over a roof beam. And um, just as I was about to, you know, do what you do, uh, a, a very audible, but a very soft and loving voice said, Stop. I love you. And, he, and it said, Come down and come to me. And um, I ended up, I ended up going down and sitting on the concrete floor, and I just cried. I cried for about an hour. You know, I was just thinking. What, what was that? What's just happened? I, f I feel something. I have no idea what it is, but I'm feeling something. But once again, because I didn't come from a family or friends of a reference point, the only person I knew to call was this girl and, and, the, and her family who were you know, Christians all their life. And I started explaining what happened to her over the phone. She goes, look, I just... Let me grab mum, let me grab mum. And, and her mum came on the phone. She goes, David, um, Kurt, that's, that's the dad. And I, we want you to come over tonight and have tea with us because we want to have a chat. And so I went and had tea with them that night and they sort of explained um, what had happened. And, um, and then they became my mentors. And from there I um, started my church walk. Not really, I suppose, not in a way, a Christian walk, yes, but, but in the early days it was more like an automated response church walk um, because I ended up um, in a Lutheran church and which was, um, and I accepted that's what church was and that's what, that's what God was. Um, you know, there's a lot of, I'm not knocking the Lutheran church, but it's very sort of regimented and um, you know, you're down on your knees, you're up, you're down on your knees, and every Sunday you said the Apostles' Creed. And um, when it tamed, came time to communion, everyone went up to the front, and on your knees you stuck your tongue out, and they put the, the disc on their tongue and shared the same goblet and things like that. So it was an automated response. And, um, and the parents of my girlfriend, who was to become my wife, um, had sort of belonged to this same sort of church for quite some time, although her dad was very proactive 
And we ended up going to, leaving that church and going to a charismatic church. And that's where I really started to first experience um, uh, the Holy Spirit from the point of view of witnessing for the first time people speaking in tongues. And I distinctly remember being at the back of this church. And I'm sitting there, we, we just, you know, and this church had a band, you know, like, like you have here, and the, and the pastor was African, and he just wore jeans and a T-shirt, and I'm thinking, whoa, you know, what is this, you know? And I remember, I remember uh, the first time I experienced tongues, um, you know, I was singing a song, and then the music totally stopped. And then there was this melodic wave went across the room, and... And I could feel my, my body was physically moving without me sort of having anything to do with it. And in all honesty, it freaked me out. I suddenly thought of my grandmother and Ouija boards and, and talking to dead people. Just something was just felt quite strange until it was sort of explained to me and things like that later. And it just, I thought, oh, yeah, that's all good. And then, you know, then it happens yourself. And then the... I think a few weeks after that is when I experienced my first person sort of going down the Holy Spirit. Once again, I was up the back and, and everyone's standing up and the arms in the air and tongues out the head and everything like that. And, and, um, and, and, and this guy goes down at the front and I'm staring and I'm looking, and I'm looking around at people and I say, well, why? What, what's going on here? This guy's obviously had a stroke or a heart attack and no one gives a pull. You know, no one's moving, no one's doing anything. You know, but then... <laughs> but Did you just, like, rush in and give him resuscitation? Well, I and like, someone's got to do something. Yeah, you know, what am I in? Is this, you know... Yeah. Looking back, you sort of start thinking of Waco, Texas, or Jonestown or something. It just doesn't seem quite yeah. quite normal or real, you know. And, um, and so, yeah, my church walk sort of started to develop. But, you know, I can look back now and realise that God was taking me on these incremental mm. steps and journeys. Yeah. And then um, it wasn't until God placed a, a physical, spiritual healing on me mm. and I was able to then start to experience his power on a personal level. Awesome. I mean, I wouldn't have a son now if it wasn't for yeah. the gift of healing he placed on me. Let, let, let's go, I want to go there because we're sort of getting a bit caught on time, but um, tell us about your son. Tell us a little bit about how that came about and, and the impact that he has had on your life. Oh, yeah. Um, well, my wife and I tried for a while and we couldn't conceive and end up having the tests and, and I was the one um, with, the, with the issue. And basically I was nothing. It was dead, kaput. And um, it just happened at the time... Um, my wife's brother was going to a charismatic church and he, he said to us uh, one time when we caught up, he said, um, oh, look, there's people at our church who are gifted healers and um, I can always arrange for you guys to come and have tea with us one night and things like that. And I sort of thought, yeah, okay, look, I'm, I want to have a son who's mine and, you know, it's, it'd be awesome. Because up until then, we'd told that there's no way I could bear a child. Um, so we had two choices. We, we had to go with either a known donor or an unknown donor. So we went, you know, went through all the, the counselling that you have to do and things like that. So anyway, um, I remember... So we went, we went to this place and, and we had a bit of a Bible study and things like that. And then the people go, OK, 
Um, this husband and wife said, come sit down in this seat. You, you don't have to think anything, do anything, just come and sit down. And, and they, they prayed and for healing over me and things like that. And the most incredible experience happened to me then. I just had this, this burst of, of heat and fire flow through my body from the, you know, from every extremity just flowed through me and <laughs> but you know then uh, it all flowed to a certain part of my anatomy and so we'll keep this out of the podcast as well <laughs> um. yeah 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 isn't there the old song goodness gracious great yep yep. yeah so yeah so, so i'm assuming that there's healing take place yeah. and um yeah, so, yep. but anyway, so after that, look, m- my wife and I still tried to uh, conceive naturally because we were told, look, once, once they prayed, this couple said, look, go home and out, uh, out of an act of faith, just buy something for the baby. So we went past the supermarket. I think that was the only thing that was open at that point in time. So I think we bought nappies and a beard or something like that, you know, trying, just trying to walk in faith. And... Um, and so still nothing happened. Anyway, it came to the, the point in time uh, where we went to the Epworth Hospital in Melbourne and uh, my wife had to go and do, have her procedure done, which was extracting the eggs. And then I was there with, with our, our donor. And, um, and, the, and a nurse came out. She goes, oh, Mr. Allen, um, look, we don't normally do this, um, but we just feel we have to. Now... We just want to see, um, you know, ask you for a donation one more time before we, we get the person in. So I sort of said, no, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. And, um, yeah, it was quite incredible um, because that week I'd got before God and I said, God, if you bless me with a child, I will give you a commitment that I'll do whatever it takes. I will sacrifice whatever it takes to get my child to adulthood knowing the love of a father. You know? And that's what, that's what I said to God. And I, you know, I just... I just wanted to really put that trust out there. And then you might, back at the hospital, you know, went and did donation and all of a sudden this nurse pokes her head around the corner It says, Mr. Allen, we can use everything you've got. So I've gone from absolutely being dead, nothing, zilcho, to being able to produce, I think we had 11 fertilised embryos. So, I mean, that's... And I've just thanked God every, every day since. Every day since. And, and now he's how old? Kai's 15. He turns 16 in November. Yeah. And miracle um, boy. Sorry? A miracle boy. He is. He's a blessing. And, and you, you've held true on your end of the bargain with God, haven't you? Oh, without a doubt. I, um, because you know, his mum and I separated when, when he was one. Um. And for that first year of his life, um, due to circumstances, uh, my wife and I changed roles. So for the first year of my son's life, I was a stay-at-home dad. 
and um, and it was fantastic. Twelve months, you know. Thank God for disposable nappies and formula and wipes, <laughs> and and the fact that babies do bounce. It's good. <laughs> I won't go into that. No, I've learned uh, that myself <laughs> the hard way. Um. Yeah, but yeah. Um, and, but no, I've... So along the way, there's, you know, there, there's, there's struggles that, that you have and, and the devil, if he tries to attack me, will always try and attack me through my son, as in my attitude towards him and he'll try and, try and throw things at me. Your son really doesn't love you. He... he yeah, he's, he'll take anyone that comes along as his dad. Yeah, and so I've, I've had that that sort of fight, um, but that's so easily um, crushed, and and things like that. And um, and I suppose over the journey, um, I've moved a total of three times. Um, the last time being here, just, just from um, from all uh, from Warrnambool. Yeah, so it's like thousands of kilometres away. Yeah, so yeah. southwest Victoria. Yeah. yeah. And each time I've moved, um, I've left friends behind, work behind. Um, this move, I you know, left family behind and things like that. And um, because I, 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 it's a very, it's something I really take to heart, being a dad. And um, because of our heavenly father and the, the relationship I had with my earthly father. Um, yeah, to to actually end up in a relationship with your earthly father when he only has 18 months to live due to terminal cancer. You tell us that story because 52. I was 52. I just turned 57 last Friday. Yep. So, yeah, at the so age so of 50. 28, you had your first encounter with God. Yep. 40, it became real. Yep. And God gave you a miracle boy. Yep. 52, healing takes place between you and your yeah, earthly earth, father. Yeah. Um, tell us just, we're going to finish on this, but tell us a little bit about that moment. And what yeah, happened well, it's it's <laughs> you taught many th- many things on your journey with Christ, and the one big thing I was taught was that um, healing comes in many many different ways, and not to expect car- your carnal healing to be the focus of God. God's the bigger picture. Anyway, my dad had been told he had terminal cancer. And um, he only lasted 18 months from diagnosis to death. And like every day for 18 months, I just prayed healing into him. Healing, healing, healing. You know, fully believing and trusting in God. But then I had to, I had to look back and remember, no, that's what you want. But God had a bigger plan. And that was I actually led my dad to Christ. And... Um, and for the first time in 52 years, um, every time we saw one another or said goodbye to another, to one another, uh, we said it with a hug and a kiss and the words, I love you. And, um, you know, he, he was able to ask for forgiveness because he, he realised that the, his journey in life sort of didn't really match that of, of probably what I needed and what my sister needed. And... Um, and I, I remember talking to my pastor's wife and she goes, because I, I was sort of saying, oh, I failed. I failed in trying to do what I, I could do as a full trusting, faith-believing person of Christ. And she goes, and that's when I sort of realised, you know, it's, it's not my picture, it's God's picture. 
that we need to recognise and follow. And she goes, what would you rather have, a healed father or a father that, that has been led to Christ and has now got eternal life and you've reconnected? Irrespective of how short a time that reconnection is, you've reconnected and he's actually been able to say the words you've wanted to hear. And I suppose part of that was, was my driving force of my, my, my connection with my own son. Is it to go through God first and allow God's love to permeate through me into my son and then implant it in my son? And not too many people would, here would have met my son, but um, the blessing that he is back to me is just incredible with some of the things that people say about him, his, his attitudes, his demeanour, his character. And I just, thank, I, thank God, I just thank God for that. It's as simple as that. And I kind of think it, it all, all comes back to a moment where a man of God showed genuine love to you. Yes. When you rocked up to his house to date his yep. daughter. And something, because I'm not showing love to someone rocking up to my house. Look, I might take my daughter out yeah. to that much right now. Yeah, and but it, yeah, it's like I said, it's like I walked through. For me, it was like walking through a veil. Yeah, and this person I knew nothing about. Yeah, didn't know his history or anything like that. Yeah, and, and I find that so fascinating because I think that's encouraging for all of us because mm. because we're no different to him. We've got the same. The same Definitely. God, the same Spirit lives in us, yeah. lived in Him. And so, so we can carry that presence of God's mm. grace and mercy so that when people come in through our front door, yeah. they could feel the love of God through yeah. us. And, and it was just so unashamed. It was just, it was just yeah. amazing, wondrous thing. And I have a tendency now to sort of father people myself. It doesn't matter what age, what sex, whatever. Um, I, I have this tendency to sort of father in my relationship with people, whether it's my son's friends or, or just whoever. It doesn't matter. Someone I meet on the street. Um, you know, there's umpteen stories I, can, I could tell of the healing power of Christ. And it's just phenomenal. And, uh, you know, and the basis is trust. Trust in God. Don't look for your answers because yeah. his, his picture is bigger. Yeah. And just have that faith and realise he never leads you into darkness. He leads you into light. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and regardless of how broken you are, regardless of your past, it means jack mm. because God has always been there. He's always been there. Yeah. He created you. And he's got this specific journey for you. Yeah. And we all do it at different paces. We all do it in a different way. But the one loving, giving, gracing thing is that you mm. he there and he loves you yeah. unconditionally. Absolutely. And we, all, every single person here is a work in progress. Sure. We are just a work in progress. Uh, I read a quote this week. It was saying, God's not looking for perfection. He's mm. looking for progress. Yeah. Just that little bit of growth, a little bit of maturity. Yeah. Um, day by day as we trust yep. in him. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, I, if I often get in a bit of a place of um, 
maybe feeling a bit down or losing connection, uh, I, I, I instantly realise or say to myself, this ain't God walking for me. This is, this is me not recognising and losing a little bit of space in him. And um, the answer for me is so easy. I mean, I'll go down the beach, I'll sit on a sand dune and I'll just look in silence and I'll listen and I'll look. And within within seconds, within minutes, you're saying, oh, God, you're good. You are so good. And I'll just walk away. Yeah, you get that sort of godly strut happening and... (laughs) Yeah, sort of. So that's good. why you walk in funny everywhere. Like, what yeah. is that? That's the godly strut. Oh, yeah. Dear. So um, you that's know, awesome. so I've gone from that to, um, like I come on a Wednesday morning to prayer group, and yep. oh, I just love it. It's yep. just, it's just awesome. Absolutely. And it, and like, I think I said to you the other week, I can just feel a shift happening. Mm. Uh, it's, it's just a very powerful place. Yeah. Very powerful place, and and I can just, I just got this this conviction that there's going to be healing and deliverance and just people being so set free so good. from Wednesday mornings. I, I awesome. feel so committed and, and strong f- to that. For those who don't know, um, you get prayed for every week on a Wednesday oh, without morning a by, doubt. by Dave and about half a dozen others. Dan Boland does a great yep. job leading this prayer and uh, 7 o'clock every Wednesday. You're welcome to join anybody. Uh, anyone can meeting. come down. Um, and I'd be happy to meet anyone at any time here yeah. if they ever wanted prayer or just someone to... Awesome. Um, you know, pray with or connect or just listen. You know, yeah. it's just because it's it's the power. The power is in what's the outflowing. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it's not once do we pray about ourselves on a Wednesday morning. Yeah. It's it's a it's an outflowing into awesome. every single person, every single seat. Yeah, uh, you and Anna especially. Thank you. Uh, it's just it's it's an outpouring. Yeah, that's awesome. And we thrive on it. It's we come away, and Dan often says. I leave here and I'm just feeling so energised and just and you do you you leave. Does, does he have a God strut when he leaves? <laughs> <Does> he? No, <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, it's awesome. it's just a, a powerful thing to be yeah. to be a part of, yeah. and I just so enjoy it. Awesome, so enjoy it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, and it's such a incredible. Um, real life story to hear just the, the journey that you've been on from an eight-year-old boy doing Ouija boards with his mum. Talking to dead people. Talking to yeah. dead people with mum and grandma and mm. being surrounded by the darkness that that exposes mm. you to through to infertility and miracles and, mm. you know, and, and a restoration of, of a broken relationship with your dad mm. um, all because mm. of a relationship that got fixed with your heavenly father. Yes. And... Um, and him providing me with another male figure yeah. that was filled with him. Absolutely. It was just, yeah, uh, you couldn't write a script about Thanks for tuning in to the C3CH podcast. We trust this week's message inspired and encouraged you. We hope to see you in one of our services soon. For more information on C3 Church Cops Harbour, visit www.c3ch.com. Oh, so good. Well, I love August, man. August is so much fun. We get to hear all these stories because you might have seen Dave come in and out of church every week and, um, and not know much of his story. And I'm sure there's probably many, many other people who you don't know. And um, to be really honest, like a church our size, we shouldn't really have an excuse to not really know 